From Yahoo Finance, this is Electionomics. I'm Rick Newman. And I'm Alexis Christophorus. Welcome to the podcast. So glad you could join us. So this week we're talking about TikTok, the hugely popular Chinese video app that has really become a political football in an election year. How might the fate of TikTok impact the presidential election? So my co-host Rick Newman is actually on a much deserved vacation this week. So I am flying solo, but not to fear. I am joined by my colleague and host of the final round on Yahoo Finance, Miles Udlin. Miles, it is so good to see you. You know, we're not in the office together. We don't do a show together. But I have not seen you in a long time. How are you doing? Uh, I'm hanging in there. Uh, I'm doing okay. I was thinking uh, when you asked, la- asked me last week to do the show, I was like, I guess I haven't seen Alexis since March. I haven't seen anyone that we've worked with since March. I haven't even like socially distanced met up with anybody here in the city. I know there's a few of us. Uh, so it's always good to see a familiar face, even kind of through this medium. Yeah, a little, little bit of a mini reunion for us. But so yeah. we have a lot to talk about. But I know, you know, I've been fascinated with the TikTok story. And, and I want to talk about it in relation to the election, just to bring viewers up to speed. So the Trump administration has accused TikTok um, of providing data on its users, its tens of millions of users in the US to the Chinese government. It's something that TikTok and Beijing continue to deny. And initially, Miles, President Trump was going to outright ban this app Um, But then Microsoft jumped in and said, wait a minute, we've been talking to TikTok. We actually want to buy their U.S. operations. And after some reflection and probably some nudging from fellow party members, Republicans, uh, Trump changed his mind. And he said, "Okay, I'll give this my blessing. Um, But there are some contingencies here. There there are there are some stipulations, I should say, one of them being he wants the U.S. Treasury to get a big cut of it. But before we jump further in, talk to me about what the ramifications might be for President Trump, who we know is far behind in the polls right now with less than 100 days before we go to the polls. Could this actually backfire or work in his favor, do you think? Well, I think at this point, um, you know, you mentioned the polls, and I think at this point, everyone should assume that anything that is being floated by Trump, the administration, any of his surrogates, is what they believe to be an explicit play on voters might like. So I think our inference should be, whether the president himself or members of his team, uh, believe that TikTok is an election issue and that spinning it off or you know divide, getting it away from um, Chinese control because their parent company, ByteDance, is uh, a Chinese-based business um, would be a something voters would care about. So I guess on that count, uh, I would have to assume that they believe it's an issue that would matter in the election. But, you know, it's funny as you were outlining like what we know right now, um, I, I'm I'm really still like not sure exactly where this all came from, right? If we go back like 10 days, everyone has known that TikTok's um, parent company, the fact that ByteDance is, uh, you know, a Chinese tech company and Chinese tech companies are essentially arms of the Chinese government. Uh, I think, you know, Alibaba shareholders have made peace with this to some extent, right? And we can question their numbers, so on and so forth, right? But this is part of the deal. So TikTok and ByteDance fit into the same basket. But so, so everyone's known that for some time, but that this is the moment where now there's being pressure put on TikTok from a couple different directions to spin it, like to get spun off from ByteDance and be a U.S. company or controlled by U.S. shareholders, uh, however we want to say that, um, is is still curious to me that it's happening right now. And obviously, 
crazy that's happening in this fashion that the president is like tweeting, oh, they, w- we need them to be spun off or I'll shut them down. I mean, it's, qu- it's quite a bizarre way for anything to go down, any, you know, spin out, any IPO, SPAC, however they kind of make it to the market. So I guess I'm still like at this point with a purported September 15th deadline for the service to get spun out or shut down in the U.S., uh, I'm still not sure exactly where this story came from, but we're kind of just like working off the information we have, right? Yeah, it really is like we're walking into the twilight zone because you think about just a, a week ago, the CEOs of the four big tech companies were were before lawmakers talking about, you know, defending their businesses, right? And these lawmakers yep. are thinking about possibly breaking up a Facebook, saying that Apple is too big for itself. And yet you have the president here talking to another tech giant, Microsoft, basically saying, yeah, go ahead, get bigger. We want you to go ahead and buy this social app. There's been some talk that maybe, you know, initially when the president came out against TikTok, was he just, you know, grasping for straws? Was that a way to sort of ratchet up the tensions with China? And he didn't realize it was going to become this whole big thing because the fear from some folks, and I don't know if you buy into this, is that if Trump were to just outright ban this very popular app, that he would be alienating younger voters, some of those people who might be voting for the first time come November. Do you think there's anything to that? I think that is, well, again, I think that is probably unlikely. But as I just said, we have to assume that it is something uh, that you know members of his team have thought about and kind of viewed that way. So, um, but I think the trade war angle is, is probably correct, right? We can sort of uh, infer that Peter Navarro, you know, huge China hawk, very vocal member of the administration, uh, has been in whether the president's ear or other members of his administration's ear about, hey, this is, you know, this app is a problem. It's very popular. It's taking a lot of data from U.S. citizens. We don't know what the company is doing with it, if it's secure, if it's safe, so on and so forth. I think those concerns, as we kind of said, have been there for a long time, whether it's with ByteDance or other Chinese tech companies. It's just this is the first that kind of broke through as a big consumer app. And so in the context of the trade war, yeah, I think this is something of a natural evolution. Although, again, that it came up in this fashion with this sort of speed is still surprising. And then to go back to you know your comments about uh, the tech CEOs on Capitol Hill last week, of course, Microsoft's the only one who's not there. So it is sort of like you, you think, oh, did they say, well, we had these other four guys and we've decided those companies are bad, but Microsoft didn't show up this time. They kind of took their medicine back in the nineties. They don't have really a consumer social network right now, but LinkedIn is not really a consumer facing. I mean, I guess we're consumers and we're on it, but it's not like, you know, it's not Facebook and Twitter and these others. Um, And so I guess it's fine, right? If they, if they're the ones that buy it, they have a lot of, so they have plenty of money to do it. Um, they could borrow, they have the money on their balance sheet, so on. So, I mean, I, I guess that makes sense, but it is, again, it is still curious that it comes up now in the framework of it being some kind of motivating issue for voters. Like, I don't know who the marginal voter is that mm-hmm. said, I deeply care about US China tech security issues and if this deal does not go through, I will therefore not, you know, view the administration favorably or unfavorably and so on and so forth. Right. It is it is sort of like a niche issue that I find unlikely to be a marginal motivator for any voter, for any party uh, in this election. 
And, you know, to your point, you're already seeing some smaller competitors of TikTok. They're like, oh, my, did Christmas come early? Because they're getting yeah. people going to them. They're the companies I didn't know about. These are uh, apps Byte, B-Y-T-E, and Triller. Um, so there's been a lot of activity there. They also offer these short videos the way TikTok does. And they're getting a bunch of uh, American users now flocking to their platform because people are like, wait a minute, I don't know if TikTok's going to go away. What's yeah. going on here? But I want to talk about a bigger issue within TikTok, something else. Uh, the president said recently, which is this sort of, I don't know, like a mafia-like behavior or mafia-like idea of the U.S. now saying it should get a cut from the sale of TikTok if not just Microsoft, but any U.S. company goes ahead and buys it. And Trump is saying that's because he sort of brokered the deal. So the U.S. could get a piece of it. Um, you know, what? What if that were to happen, which I don't even know if he has the authority to make that happen, what does that mean for other U.S. companies? Well, so I think, um, and we're recording this Tuesday afternoon, just within like the last hour or two, uh, Charlie Gasparino of Fox Business tweeted, you know, that his sources are saying neither TikTok nor Microsoft says there's any chance that they're paying the Treasury uh, a, a VIG on the deal, right? And I think during a press availability yesterday, which would have been Monday, Trump used the phrase key money, which Andy Serwer brought up on our show is like an old school New York broker thing. Like, um, I guess it's like, you, we'd call it like an agent, um, mm -hmm. which again, some of our viewers, listeners might not be familiar with the New York state real estate market, but there are agents, there are brokers, uh, and there's brokers between the brokers. So <laughs> everyone gets paid and this is the world from which Donald Trump comes. So I think in that context, it makes sense. But, um, that specific point you bring up that he's suggesting that maybe he's owed like a finder's fee on the deal is sort of why I'm still confused about whether this is real or not real. Like, are there really teams at Microsoft? I mean, yes, I'm sure they're working on the deal, but were they very seriously thinking about this? Where are the investment bankers in this? What does TikTok CEO Kevin Mayer think about all this? And all these questions remain outstanding because mostly what we're hearing is tweets and stuff from the president. And that's not usually how spinoffs go, regardless of the industry, regardless of the time and so on and so forth. And so I, I guess that I am still, you know, using the uh, skeptical reporter hat looking at this and saying, almost none of this adds up in the way that you and I would expect to see public M&A negotiations go down. Because we both know that, you know, Wall Street Journal reports, sources say company looking at this. Two days later, Bloomberg says, well, now the value is that. And then on Friday, the parties say, here's the deal. That's kind of the way it goes. That's not really happening with this deal. And so I just, again, sort of remain, um, I look askance at the entire <laughs> thing and think, well, what exactly is going on here? I guess we'll find out, right? I guess maybe TikTok. Yeah, I mean, they have till September 15th. Yeah, to come up with some sort of a deal. And, you know, I've read uh, various articles, some saying that Microsoft is talking to others, that they wouldn't be going it alone, that they maybe there is some sort of little contingent of investors and Microsoft would be the big name investor among them. But what do you think about Microsoft being the buyer here? And what does Microsoft have to lose in its relationship with China? Um, you know, is this going to be something where at the end of the day, no deal happens and Microsoft is left holding the bad bag saying, wait, what just happened here? And now I can't do business with China. Yeah, I think if you look at um, I think if you look at the Xbox business um, and their entry into the consumer through that direction, it's it's basically a streaming device. I mean, you're obviously very involved in it, but it is essentially a streaming device. There are, you know, you know, things you can 
have on your TV that you know you can play like a game physically through your Xbox. I guess you could record a TikTok through that same device in some imagined future. Um, so I think that makes some sense in the Microsoft portfolio. We would love to own this video, this content creation platform because TikTok's a social network, but um, it's also about the practice of creating a TikTok video is, you know, it's more fun than tweeting, right? It's, it's an activity. And I think it's why people use it a lot right now. People have a lot of time on their hands. It takes very intensive to make one, but it is a very cool product um, at the end of the day. And I think Microsoft looks at that and says, great, we're going to get younger, very engaged, um, you know, users who are now going to be part of our network, many of whom uh, probably already own some kind of gaming system, hopefully in Xbox, maybe more Xboxes in the future. And inside of that context, it makes a little bit of sense. And also think about what's happened at Microsoft under Satya Nadella in the last six years. They've pretty much only focused on enterprise and B2B type things. You look at what's happened with the office suite, with Azure, other parts of their business. I think it's a very interesting bet from Microsoft's perspective to make. And um, again, let's assume it happens. I think it's going to be very interesting to see how it plays out. But uh, just the way that the process has gone so far, uh, until that press release crosses the wire that says Microsoft buys TikTok, I will remain skeptical that this is sort of how it's going. But um, but I, I do think that were it to happen, it's a very, very interesting thing for Microsoft. I think it makes more sense maybe than, than it might appear on the surface. Yeah, I mean, I think it would give Microsoft sort of a cool factor it doesn't have now, even though it does have... Um, Minecraft as well, and yeah. Xbox, right? Um, but if this were to happen, now China's coming out, you know, and saying, hey, look, they're calling the U.S. a rogue country. They're saying that if any U.S. company were to go in and buy TikTok, they're calling it theft. Um, so they're, they're basically saying, look, you do this, we're going to retaliate. What might retaliation look like? And is it going to be even harder? It's already hard. Is it going to yeah. be even harder for U.S. companies to do business in China? And then, you know, what does that do for, for President Trump, who, again, his approval ratings are pretty low right now? Yeah, I think um, I'm not really sure how much more difficult it could be for a U.S. business to do business in China than it already is. And if you look at and obviously the world is, is changed because of COVID right now. But if you look at what's happened, at least in financial services, the last handful of years, uh, you know, Singapore has really taken market share from Hong Kong as uh, a hub for um, you know, Southeast Asian operations for a lot of these multinational type businesses. I mean, Hong Kong built, uh, has been built on financial services in the last 20, 30 years. And so um, they're already losing uh, some of that steam. I, I think that every U.S. business sees China as uh, the golden goose of consumer markets, 600 million, 700 million middle-class consumers. We've all heard the pitch before in a number of different ways. Um, I suppose there could just be harsher rules imposed on uh, you know, the, the partnership, the SOE partnership that um, U.S. businesses are forced to enter when they enter China in terms of handing over their IP and things like that. But uh, I, I do think that it's not like it's probably the a tertiary concern right now um, for I think that's mostly posturing, I guess I should mm -hmm. say, where I'm not really sure that either Trump or, or Beijing has thought through exactly what they would do to retaliate on the other side of this. It's just like right now, the issue is whether TikTok is going to get sold to U.S. business or not. Later, we can figure all that stuff out. And of course, if Trump doesn't win in November, 
then I don't really know what happens either way. Like then it, it's a hard reset on the whole thing. Um, and then that opens a whole new door of, of questions about this. And I'm sure Satya Nadella and the team at Microsoft are thinking the same thing going, look, if we're going to do this deal. We got to get yeah. it done before November 3rd in case yeah. somebody new is in the White House and starts to talk to us about something else. But, you know, is this just was was picking on TikTok, and I'm saying picking on it because, uh, like you said at the top of the podcast, it sort of came out of nowhere. Is this picking on TikTok, and now what it's become, part of the art of the deal for for President Trump? And is this, you know, part of his larger scheme? Do you think to get China to the table in some meaningful way with regards to trade? We know that he keeps calling the coronavirus the China virus. Wow. Um, you know, he obviously has it in for China. He has said it many times. His 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 um, his proponents say no other president has had the guts to go up against China the way he does. I mean, has TikTok become, has it snowballed to become something even bigger than maybe Trump himself thought it could be? Well, I think if you look at the way Trump has always viewed the U.S.-China trade relationship is he's viewed it through the simple lens of the deficit. And he's viewed that as money that China has stolen from the U.S. because we have a massive trade deficit with China. We, we import more than we export to them by a massive margin. Um, and we don't even need to get into all the, you know, oh, does China own the U.S. Treasury market stuff? Because that's anyway, um, you know, they're a net creditor to the U.S. government and we're a net debtor to China. So Trump wants to get that ratio to flush. He thinks that's what's fair. Um, now, we could go through a whole exercise about, um, you know, trade balances and, and the capital account and, you know, whether whether all that stuff he believes true is true. But we saw in 2018, I believe it was, when there was that imposition of tariffs, uh, that income to the treasury via tariffs went up like 60, I think it was 50 or $60 billion. And that's what happens. You impose tariffs, you get income from tariffs. And I think that Trump views that uh, and his and people in his corner, again, I'll bring up Peter Navarro is, is going to be chief among these uh, proponents of this strategy, views that as quote unquote getting level you know, having quote unquote fair trade is about having a balanced trade balance. Um, so that's the way that I think this administration is viewing it through. And, and you know, China hawks, we could say, view it through that lens. So I think it follows that if we get a 50, $100 billion company, whatever TikTok is, is valued at inside of ByteDance, if we get that to be spun out or, you know, we get a US business to acquire that, you can see a logic wherein it's like, See, we got another hundred million dollars from China that they actually owed us, but now they've paid it in the form of this corporate ransom. If that all kind mm -hmm. of follows there, and so I, I think that that's probably the most likely reason that uh, this bone has been picked with such um, with such fervor, and it is seen as such a logical prize for um, an administration that wants to even up trade deals uh, with China. At to be spun out or, you know, we get a U.S. business to acquire that, you can see a logic wherein it's like, see, we got another hundred million dollars from China that they actually owed us, but now they've paid it in the form of this corporate ransom, if that all kind mm -hmm. of follows there. And so I, I think that that's probably the most likely reason that uh, this bone has been picked with such, um, with such fervor and it is seen as such a logical prize for um, an administration that wants to even up trade deals uh, with China. But I'm wondering if the average voter just sees this whole TikTok talk as distraction, 
right? Because for, for a lot of folks, they don't have a job right now. Yeah. Their unemployment benefits just ran out. They're wondering where the next stimulus package is. So is it for Donald Trump, the economy stupid? Is it the virus stupid? Or is it TikTok stupid, right? Yeah, I think that's like, that's the whole game right there. I mean, voters just want, you and I just want the pandemic to be under control so that we can have life go back to something like normal. That's what basically everyone in the country wants right now. And that's going to be the motivating issue for pretty much everybody. And to use the Jay Powell formulation, the economy is downstream from the virus. And then I would say TikTok is downstream from the economy. So it's all about the virus. It's all about the pandemic right now. And I think everyone knows that. I think I think Trump knows that. He knows that very well. He, so is it a distraction? Sure. Everything politically is everything in politics essentially amounts to a distraction at the end of the day. So I wouldn't like say it's so unique. He uses this as, as such, but it so, also, why, so why do this then? So why spend yeah. so much time and energy on this? Because as you open the show with, he's underwater in the polls, in every poll, in, in all the major states, he needs to find an issue that will change that trajectory for him. And we both know that issue is the pandemic. That issue is the virus, but in lieu of taking different types of actions on that front, which now in month five, heading into month six is, in my view, clearly not going to happen between now and November, there have to be other issues, um, you know, along the way. So go back three weeks, he's tweeting about the suburbs every day. Then he's tweeting about TikTok, which I would argue is part of a suburban trade, right? Teens using TikTok who live in the suburbs and so on. So He's, all, he's finding these other avenues to talk about other things, mostly because the only thing that matters right now is not going his way. And it seems uh, it seems like a long shot that it's going to turn in a meaningful way between, I guess we're almost like we're four weeks or three months from today. Uh, yeah, that's so right. I think it's 13 weeks exactly from today um, that the election is. So I just don't see... And I don't think his team probably sees how they get from here to there without the virus changing. Um, so I guess that's kind of where my head's at on that. Something, I guess, in their control to an extent is the stimulus package and the size yeah. of it. Um, is there something you think that can happen with that package that might change voters' minds, those who might be on the fence, those who are you know, in the battleground states who are really going to call this thing? I mean, you know, voters in, in Florida, Texas, Pennsylvania. I mean, I think I think extending it is the most logical thing. We, we've heard over the last few days this drumbeat of um, maybe there'll be executive action on that front because uh, the stimulus was um, wasn't perfect, but it was very effective in getting money into the hands of consumers uh, who, as you mentioned, tens of millions of them are out of work right now. They need to make ends meet giving an extra $600 in unemployment benefits per week, plus the $1,200 check. That was very, very effective in getting many households through the last four months. And I think that proves it can be effective, will be effective if it is passed uh, for the next four months or six months or eight months, whatever it might be. And so I think that um, the administration knows that. Like this is a winning issue for Trump to say, I didn't leave you know, workers behind. Now, because it goes through Congress, all kinds of issues there. Many of people are up for re-election, so on and so forth. Everyone wants to make sure whatever gets passed is actually in spite of the other party. But I almost wonder at this point if the White House doesn't say, you know what, I'm not going to get held up by Senate Republicans who are scared about getting re-elected. We got to go this one alone because, and I think that, I don't know what that would look like, but it's certainly been floated the last few days because I think you have to have 
um, probably the full amount of, of stimulus that was passed in March passed again to make people feel better about the economy over the next three months. And he's running out of time. It's like you say, the election is around the corner. Those unemployment benefits have now expired. So, uh, and also another big question mark hanging over everything is Joe Biden's pick for VP, which he's now kicked the can down the road a little bit. We thought by now we'd know, we don't. And whether or not that's gonna change the equation for lots of folks, right? I would, I think it's uh, it's important for the Biden campaign, but it seems right now uh, like everything they can do to not make this about them is probably a winning issue for their <laughs> campaign. I expect that it will probably mostly remain that uh, through the election. Kind of a weird election cycle, but that's what it is. It's really only one candidate running against himself instead of running against an opponent. Biden's staying in the basement, Miles. I think that's what's happening there. It's good for all of us. <laughs> all right. We want to thank you all for joining us this week on Electionomics. Rick Newman's going to be back with me next week. But, Miles, it was so great to catch up. Good to talk with you. You as well. All right. Be sure to rate and review what you just heard. You can follow me at Alexis TV News. And, Miles, throw your Twitter out there. Uh, at Miles Udland, M-Y-L-E-S-U-D-L-A-N-D. See, there's a twist there, M-Y-L-E-S. That's all right, right, everybody. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next time.